What's up, guys? Thanks for joining us on this post-G-Day edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with me today uh, is my co-host, Curtis. Uh, and today, uh, we're, I don't know about you, Kurt, but I'm excited to actually have some live football to talk about, you know? Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it's been a while. So, I mean, we've been we've had, had plenty of football talk, opportunities to talk some ball, but nothing actually live here. Uh, so, with G-Day taking place this weekend, we do have some actual football to talk about. Obviously, I mean, it was just a scrimmage. We all know that. But it's still it's still great to have some actual on-field performances to break down and kind of talk about. But uh, first, though, we just want to remind everyone out there that you can follow us on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA. You can email us at podcast at gmail.com. Um, and guys, the end of the month is uh, it's rapidly approaching here. So later this week, we're going to be recording the April Listener Mailbag Show uh, for Thursday's show. So uh, we put a call out on Twitter. We've already got a number of really good questions out there, but we need any and all questions and or topics you guys have that you would like for us to discuss on the show. Just hit us up with those on Twitter or you can email us, uh, really anything. It can be a question about G-Day, the aftermath of G-Day, our rivals and their spring games, the 2017 season, recruiting. There's a lot of news going on on that front right now or maybe a lack of news, lack of positive news. Uh, but anything really, any questions, any topics you have that you want to you want to hear us talk about, uh, you can find us on Twitter at glory underscore UGA. Send us your questions there, or you can email us at gloryugapodcast at gmail.com. Also, real quick here, if you're new to the show, just a heads up that you can also find the show uh, on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, all of those platforms. Uh, hopefully, that might make the show a little bit easier for you guys to access. So check us out there. Uh, if you'd like to, it'd also be great if you could give us a review, um, subscribe to us there. It definitely helps the show out. So we definitely appreciate your help there. All right, Kurt, uh, let's go ahead and get into this. We have a full show today. So let's go ahead and kick this off. Um, you and I had a chance to take in G-Day uh, together on Saturday. So that was, that was fun, kind of hang out a little bit. But, I mean, it was a beautiful day on Saturday in Sanford Stadium. It was a little warm uh, as the kind of protractor-shaped sunburn on my head would attest to after – Wearing a backwards hat out there all day. I try to put sunscreen on to no avail, so I have like this protractor on my head. But it's all right. Small price to pay. It was an awesome afternoon, uh, and as is, as is typically the case with spring games, it's hard to know what to take away from what you saw uh, because one player's uh, or one unit successes typically correlates directly to another player or unit's poor play. So when something positive happened, I mean somebody wasn't doing their job. So. You know, and, and so with that being said, of course, before we get into all this, let's just go ahead and put that disclaimer out there that this was just one of 15 spring practices. We all know that. Um, but given that, you know, it's, it is the only one of the 15 practices that most of the fans get to see, we, we generally overreact to it, myself included. Um, but before we start breaking down what we saw, I do think it's important to at least note that, to throw that out there, that... The, that really is an exercise in futility to attempt to draw any definitive conclusions based solely on what we saw Saturday in a, and make sure we know this, a controlled scrimmage where things were not necessarily equal across the board. Uh, I mean, not, with that being said, though, I, I do believe there are some insights to be gained in terms of pure raw ability uh, and how ready some are to kind of help us out in the fall. I mean, I think you can get a glimpse, a little bit of insight into what we can be, what a player can be. Not necessarily what we will be, because there's still that's just it's just one piece of the puzzle. There's a lot more offseason workouts to go through, obviously fall camp and all that stuff. So it's it's just one small piece of a much larger puzzle. I mean, it, it is a part of the puzzle to be sure, but we need to keep the uh, perspective here and realize that it is only one piece. So with that word of caution, 
let's go ahead and start this G-Day breakdown with a topic that is, I mean, if you've been paying attention since Saturday, which I know you all have, that's kind of dominating the conversation right now, and that is the quarterback situation with Jake Fromm uh, having a really, uh, I'd say a really nice debut uh, out there. Obviously, it wasn't a real game, but first time Dog Nation gets to see him live in action there. So, Kurt, based on what you saw out there Saturday, how would you assess our quarterback situation at this point in time? Um, you know, uh, like you said, Fromm didn't have a good thing, so I think the biggest thing is that, you know, I think for the next five years total, when you're looking out at the big picture, I think we're pretty set at the quarterback position for the five, next five years. And you're kind I'd of say at least the next five years. Yeah, exactly. And, and you're kind of seeing why we're having so much trouble. A lot of people are questioning why we have signed, you know, gotten all these quarterbacks and stuff. Well, no matter who the quarterback is, when you look at that and see that, it's going to be hard to recruit. So um, I think that's one of the big things that stood out for me. It's no wonder we're having trouble getting some big-time quarterbacks in. For this 2018 class? Yeah. Exactly, because there are, we have some big-time players right now, and uh, I think that's the biggest thing to me. Like you and I were talking about, you know, the nicest thing about G-Day was that we actually kind of got to see a quarterback battle, a little bit of these guys competing. It, Especially it late, of, you know, when we were in that two-minute drill in the second half. They were, they were kind of dueling there, going back and forth. Exactly, and you know, that's one of the biggest things we talked about while, um, you know, the, the shows leading up to this, you know, that Fromm was going to challenge him, and that's what you wanted, that's what we wanted to see, you know, you want to see Fromm out there doing his thing, but at the same time pushing Easton to be a better quarterback himself, which you saw him, I mean, you know, Fromm would have a nice throw or a nice drive, and Easton would have to come back out there and do his thing, even though, you know, his situations weren't, his, his you know, the situations he were in wasn't as ideal as you would see for, say, from. But at the same time, he was still battling and making some throws. Yeah, uh, I think you're you're right in that. And But one thing I've noticed, and again, some of this is from the fringe element, but just making some really cursory looks over message boards, talking to some buddies, uh, listening to the conversation on the water cooler at work today, uh, just seeing things in and around the program. The narrative among it, at least a portion of the fan base has seemingly become over the past 48 hours or so that based on their respective performances on Saturday, Fromm is closing the gap, or in some people's minds, has already closed the gap on Eason. And and you, he, I, I've heard this. It's, it's it's something that's not over the past couple of days. I mean, you see it on Twitter. You see it on message boards. You, I'm hearing people talk about it. Some people are saying that Fromm is right now the one that's best suited to lead us into the 2017 based on what they saw on Saturday. Do you find that to be a fair assessment? Absolutely not. I think the you know the biggest thing is I mean there's a lot of factors. To be, you know, uh, one thing that people aren't speaking of, especially you know, is mean to say, but it's a lot of these people that don't really pay attention to things that they should have. Um, while from you know while it was twos versus twos, a lot of the twos on that defense were walk-ons. He did not throw. I mean, look, and you guys know I love Jake Fromm, but you got to be real though. Jake Fromm did not throw one pass against a scholarship cornerback. Not one pass. No, and, th- and that's the biggest thing. The- they kept picking on that one guy every pass. Twenty nine. At that, yeah, yeah was at that guy's side. Yeah, and and that's the one thing that stuck out to me. I'm not, and I, you know, I think, like I said, Fromm had a good day. He threw some nice balls. He threw some nice. I passes. mean, when, even if guys are running wide open, you still have to put it on them. Yeah, you still have to do it, but it makes it a lot easier, a lot less pressure in that situation when you're going against. I mean, even, you know, yeah, Easton missed some open guys last year, but even then, you know, guys could come back and make plays on the ball. Like that one with Holloman. Um, you know, it was a nice pass. He had a guy in his face and he throws the ball up and, you know, was able to give it to where Holloman can make an adjustment and score that touchdown. It was well, a slight, um, I mean, it was a great pass. A, a slight yeah, adjustment, I'd say. Yeah, no, I mean, no, a slight adjustment, but I'm saying it was a great pass in general. But let's be honest, if that's a number one corner, he's going to make his own adjustment and get back into that pitcher. 
Right. It's hard to imagine that we're going to have receivers running that consistently wide open down the field. Uh, like exactly. they were through a, a big portion of Saturday when you, ha- when you had the two defense out there. But again, you still, even when guys are running open, you have to put it on them. And yeah. Eason oh, didn't no. do that consistently last year. No, he didn't. And then I'll say this at the same time, you know, from did get some nice help from his receivers, just like that one catch where Simmons kind of took it away from the guy where that right there was a 70-yard pass. That should have been an interception. And the guy had the ball. And he yeah, just kind of bounced out of his Yeah, that should have been an interception. Hands. Exactly. It goes from being an interception to a 70-yard touchdown pass. And I'll say that. Eason never got help like that last year in one situation. If anything, it was our guys not making the play. Yeah, I think you know you're you're really onto something there with the with the cornerback situation, uh, with the guys that Fromm is going up against. And look, I know, and and the the retort to that is, well, he was also thrown to backup uh, backup receivers. He also had a backup offensive line protecting him. Okay, I get that, but but still, look at this, guys. The gap between. Tyler Simmons and Jeremiah Holloman, who we had, and Miko Harbin, those three guys, and the two corners out there, two walk-on corners that were that were that were guarding them. And now we had D'Angelo Gibbs playing slot there against matched up with Miko for most of the day. But you had two corners matched up, two walk-on corners matched up with two guys who were highly rated coming out of high school. I mean, JJ Holloman was highly sought after. Uh, we flipped Tyler Simmons from Alabama. Alabama really tried to hang on to him. So these are two highly rated guys. So the gap between those guys and who they were matched up against on the defense side of the ball was significantly greater than the gap between our number one wide receivers and the number one DBs that were covering them. So, and you know something else, you know, going getting into that that you and I talked about specifically, it would have been nice to see Eason try to throw to some of those receivers because we, you and I were being quite frankly that you know those guys that uh, Fromm was going to. We'll push for a lot of playing time this season. Tyler Simmons is going to play. Jeremiah Holmans is Holman is going to play. Miko Hartman is going to play. They are all going to play, get meaningful reps. I yes. mean, especially when you have people like – that's the biggest problem that you saw Eason, what he was throwing to, is there was very little separation. Terry and Wims were the only ones that could get a little bit of any separation. Yeah, and we had – uh, part of that's because Ridley was hurt. But you had Chick yeah, Boo and okay. Jason Stanley getting significant reps out there. Exactly, and you, uh, there was very little, uh, you know, separation where you saw a lot of separation for the second group. And you know, yeah. people, you know, Eason, his 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 percentage wasn't, uh, you know, I great. mean, it was fun. I think forty four percent. It was under fifty percent, which is, I mean, at least mildly concerning. You have to be at least somewhat concerned because that's yeah. oh, similar yeah, to what we saw that. all of last year from him. Um, you know, the one thing, and you know, some of those where he was trying just not to take sacks, which I'd rather him try to get rid of the ball than take a sack, because you could, if you, you know, have another down to play with when you're not like 20 yards back. Um, but the right, especially thing, with our running game, just take the safe play, get it to your check down, get the ball in the running back's hands, yeah, and let them and just he, get that's something. The thing I want to talk about is while his his you know Eason's percentage wasn't super high. He did everything that I was looking for him to do. He, like you said, he checked yeah. down in some certain situations. He, he took the check down very quickly, got the ball. Not every time, but he did do it more consistently than he did most of last season. Exactly. At least in this one had, setting. And you know, the one thing that I really liked that I saw out of him was you saw a lot more accuracy and a lot better ball thrown. I agree. I agree 100%. But and, that's, and that's the biggest thing I was looking for out of him. Yeah. So a more catchable ball. And, try, and even his deep ball passes were a lot more accurate. You know, there's that one where if they don't commit the uh, the pass interference, he's probably catching that to the house. Yeah, I mean, there was, I think off the top, I had two balls down the field where he had a chance to complete that he overshot. Um, and they weren't, they weren't, I mean, last year, I mean, some were just not even close. I mean, they were at least in the, 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 the crutch stratosphere 
on Saturday. But, I mean, the multiple balls down the field that he hit. I mean, that ball he hit to Terry in between two defenders there with, a, with the, the trailing corner, and then you had the safety at the top, dropped it right between them into Terry's outstretched hands on the run. The ball to Wims down the sideline, he, over the top, uh, over DeAndre Baker. Then he had the back shoulder once yeah, Baker was, was trying yeah, to get on top of Wims. The deep one, the deep one to Wims, that was the one where only a six foot four guy like Wims could yeah. catch. That back shoulder was, you know, perfect it's on beautiful. third and eighteen. And then you um, throw the you throw the, the corner route to to uh, Stanley right on right right that he drops. in the red zone that he dropped beautiful pass. He dropped it right over his shoulder. He drops. He can't do anything about then, that. You hit Stanley in the, in the end zone for a touchdown. To Terry on the run. That was a, a strike on the run, which was nice to see. You know, he's moving and still was able to deliver a strike. Yeah. And you know, the one pass that I think was a great pass too was that one to Stanley where Stanley actually caught. He threw it perfectly over the DB shoulder right into Stanley's chest. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I mean, but you you read some of the message boards and you hear some of the lunatic fringe out there, and to them, Eason hasn't taken one stride. Hell, he might even regress from last year. And I just, I'm sorry. Is Eason where he needs to be? No, by no means. But I'm with you, Kurt. Eason is an improved quarterback. He is. Ask, look at Kirby. You know, I'll say this, and we talk about it all the time, and everyone talks about it. Kirby is very honest and blunt when it comes to interviews and talk about his players. He doesn't sugarcoat anything. Yeah, he doesn't sugarcoat anything. He tries to challenge them. What, is he, what does he say out there? He said, Eason's got a better grasp of the offense, is, do, is improving, and don't read into the stats. And, and, and look, I, I saw him at the, at the first scrimmage, and Eason looked really good. Uh, and he didn't have – no, his – they weren't keeping at least they weren't keeping stats that I got access to, but I would say his completion percentage was in, definitely in the sixty percent range that day. Now it's one day, and, and Saturday was a different day, and the completion percentage was still not where it used to be. And part of that wasn't necessarily his fault. Part of it was, you know, taking sacks and not getting rid of the ball and being indecisive. So some of that he definitely needs to clean up. But the the guy is showing improvement, right? I mean, he is. Now, he to, is, and that's the biggest thing. I mean, in the one thing that really messed with him the most was. First off, you saw it. We saw it anytime. Anytime he had a clean pocket, it was a completion. Exactly. Every yes. We give him time, and he was hitting those balls. I mean, Fromm had. Now there were times Fromm got a little bit of pressure. It wasn't like he had a clean pocket all day, but Eason was underdressed a lot more consistently than Fromm was. And when he had a clean pocket, he was laying the ball out there with ease and hitting people in stride down the field. Exactly. On That's the money. The biggest thing. Like I said, Fromm was getting pressured. Yeah. He, I'm not gonna say he wasn't, but he had a lot cleaner pocket more consistently than you ever saw Eason. I mean, just like that one pass to Terry Godwin, he had to get out of the pocket on the boot and complete it to him that way. You know, um, he not very, I would say maybe not, I don't even know if it's 20% of the time he had a clean enough pocket. Yeah, I mean, I I don't have those numbers in front of me, but yeah, I mean, it it wasn't a common occurrence for him. Let's say that. Uh, And look, I'm just one guy with one opinion, and that doesn't make me right or wrong or anything like that, but I'm just saying, after seeing Eason in action, both at the first scrimmage of the spring a couple weeks ago, and then Saturday at G-Day, it's it's just clear to me that he's an improved quarterback. Uh, and, and really, to me, it's again, just my opinion. I'm just one guy. But to me, if you don't see that he's at least taking positive steps in the right direction and won't acknowledge that, then you are just pushing an agenda. You are flat yeah, out that, pushing an agenda, point. and you're stuck to that initial impression you formed him, and you will not go off of that. that that's exactly. all. It's one, of those, it's one of those things where 
he had the five star next to his name, so everyone expected him to be the second coming of Jesus when he comes in there, and he wasn't. I mean, and you know, he you know he had some mistakes of his own. He didn't have a great environment around him with the offensive line poor receiving, lots of drops, and you know that's the people's just overall opinion of him. They're not going to give him another chance. Yeah, he, you're right. I mean, absolutely, he was so hyped up coming in last year that people expect him to step in and immediately perform like Jesus Christ himself and be a number one draft pick right away, and that's just not realistic particularly when he had to transition to an entirely foreign offense that was very far removed from the offense that he operated so successfully at the high school level. I mean, they expect people expect him to be Superman from day one. And when he inevitably fell short of that, they just completely ignored that he had a pretty solid freshman season by conventional freshman quarterback standards. Yes, he was inaccurate on the deep ball last season and left a lot of points out there, but that's the case with most freshman quarterbacks. Yeah, he was he was lost at times. He struggled when he was under pressure last year. But that's the case with most freshman quarterbacks, right? Exactly. And, and people are holding that against him. It's those unrealistic expectations that were just thrust upon him. And when he falls inevitably short of that, because there's no way he's going to live up to that day one, people have this this mentality about him. They've got this impression of him already built in their minds. And there are some out there that just are not going to move away from that no matter what. They're just and not. See, don't, and, and, no, and, and see, this is the thing. Don't get either of us wrong. We think Fromm performed very well. Dude, Fromm uh, is like, a badass. That's my yeah, boy. Yeah, like, like Tyler, Tyler openly talks about how he you know, loves Fromm, thinks he's a great quarterback and everything. But at the same time, I don't, you know, there's a lot. I just think Easton actually showed more because we want Showed more than him. Fromm? No, no, I'm just saying showing more and, ta- and improving. Oh, he showed improvement is what you're saying, okay. And what we were looking for him to do from year one to year two. Yeah, that's. I just want to give everyone a fair shaker. I, I think Fromm was, was awesome. He was incredible. He, and that wouldn't, didn't surprise me at all because that's what I expected from Jake Fromm after watching him for the past couple years in various settings. But I, I want to give Easton a fair shake here too. I know everyone's excited about the new guy on the block, and, and I am too. I think he's going to have an incredible career for us. But – Let's not just sit here and act like Eason is is dead weight and did not make any improvements because that's just that's ridiculous. It, I mean, look, does he does he still have a lot to work on? Absolutely, he is far from a finished product. But to me, that's okay with Eason. He's a rising sophomore. He's a rising sophomore. Give the guy a break. He's not perfect. He's not where he needs to be. If he came out right now, he would not be the number one pick in the NFL draft. He's got work to do. But that doesn't mean he's not making positive strides in the right direction, you know? Exactly. You know, we'll touch on it probably later when we talk about some, you know, what was nice seeing in G-Day. But people people on the offense, or while he was on offense, his, the defense was ripping their offense apart. And that was out of his oh, control. God. Yeah, the offense is uh, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when you have no threat of a run game, when they can pin, and Kirby talked about this in the post-practice, or the post-scrimmage press conference, when the defense can pin their ears back, there's not much you can do in that situation. No, exactly. Like the times they would bring Chubb and Sony in. The, the defense knew they weren't going to run the ball. Right, those are obvious so, passing settings. Exactly. Yeah. So the D-line is sitting there. Even the DBs, everyone knows, are right, so they're passing. Must be ready. Yeah. I, I and Look, and you're going to face situations like that when the defense knows you're going to pass the ball. And Easton's got to get rid of the ball a little quicker. He's got to be a little more decisive. He's got to be more consistent in getting the ball to his checkdowns quickly instead of holding on to it. There's no doubt he has to, he has to improve there. But he did it right multiple times. It wasn't like it was all a disaster. He still has to work on being more consistent there. But his accuracy was improved. And like you said, that's what I really want to see. Number one, improve your accuracy. Because last year we had – we left a lot of points out there when Cheney dialed some plays up that Easton just flat out missed. And, and I'm talking wide open guys multiple times in, in just about every game. 
So I needed to see him improve that number one. And, and I saw that. Now, that doesn't mean he hit every throw down the field. He didn't, but no one does. Even Fromm didn't hit every throw down the field. There was a couple that he missed. Um, so I saw that improvement. And there were times when, when he did the right thing, when he's getting pressure. He still got to work on that. Uh, but look, I, I saw positive strikes from him. He's, he's definitely developing as a leader. He seems a little bit more control in there. And you also have to factor this in, too. That was a very vanilla offense. A lot of the stuff that we put in this offseason that we're going to unveil come September, that was not on display on Saturday. So a, a significant portion of our, our offense, particularly the RPOs, I did not see us one, one, run one RPO, not one. And that's going to help your completion percentage because those are easy throws where you're basically single out one defender and you're picking up what you're going to run based off him. And as long as you play pitch and catch, you're going to rack up some really high percentage uh, completion percentage numbers. So I just think you have to factor all of it in. I, was Fromm awesome? Hell yes, Fromm was awesome. But let's not just completely throw Eason away and act like he did every, like he like he was just terrible. He's got to work. He's got work to do. But he he did some good things too. He he really did. Um, I mean that inter- I, I will say that interception he threw on Saturday that was a bad interception, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so like, it's not like he's. I'm not saying he's saying he's perfect. He never should have thrown that ball at the seam with the safety seam over the top. I mean, that's a pick ten out of ten times. But again, he's a rising sophomore. He is not a finished product by any means. But like I said, that doesn't mean he isn't taking positive steps in that direction. Uh, but I do want to mention, and we talked from a little bit there. I do want to bring up my boy Jake Fromm because you guys know if you listen to the show, you know I love Jake Fromm. Um, uh, he looked great, man. Uh, regardless uh, of of what Eason did, let's just talk about Fromm for a second here. He looked really good. Uh, but saying that, as good as Fromm looked, I'm not sure that I believe this quarterback competition is particularly close. Do you agree with me? When I say that? Yeah, I actually do. Um, you know, people will say we're crazy, but when you really get down to it, the coaches understand everything, every, every situation each quarterback was in. Yeah, and look, I I know based on what we saw at, at G-Day, you had said, you're crazy. I mean, look at those numbers. From about 61% completion percentage, was on target with the ball most of the day. Eason was under 50%. How can you possibly say that? He's holding on it's the ball. This, all right, it, it, it's the same thing. That's what you saw the last two years of AJ Terman. Absolutely, you have, and, and I don't want to compare it from to a guy who's a flash in the because I think Fromm is going to be an elite no, he's quarterback going to for be us. Good, but it's the same type situation where they'll come out and put up crazy numbers, and then everyone talks about how they're they're going to be the man this coming year, right? And and let me tell you why I think, and this is again, this is kind of just speculation, but here's why I think that the quarterback competition right now isn't particularly close. What you have to remember is what we saw on Saturday is just one piece of the puzzle. The coaches have seen these guys on the field for 15 practices, in the classroom, in the weight room, etc. And they didn't think the competition was close enough at this point to give from even one single rep with the number one offense. Wouldn't you say that if this competition was really that close, that Fromm would be getting at least a few reps with that number one offense? I think they would have given him at least one drive. And that's the yes. biggest thing, like you're saying. They didn't give him one single drive. If it's close, to me, they're going to give him some time with the one to see how he how he responds to that. So by virtue of the fact that, they, that he was with the twos all day long, as great as he looked, and he looked really good, guys. Trust me, I'm excited too about his future. But the fact that he did not get any reps with the ones, to me, and it's just me, that is a clear indication that this battle in the coaches' minds is not nearly as close as someone to make it out to be based on G-Day. If it was, I, I just have to believe he would have gotten at least some work with the ones. 
I, and that, that wasn't the case. Now, that doesn't mean that Fromm can't close the gap on Easton between now and September. But as of right now, where we sit, like just based on the coach's actions there, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, I don't know, but it seems that the coaching staff, that, and these are the guys that evaluate these quarterbacks every day, they don't seem to think it's all that close. Am I, am I off base there? Not at all. I think you're really on base because if, if it was as close as people claim it is, they would have tried to give, an, give him an opportunity to show what he could do compared to what Easton could do with the same group. Yeah, I mean, logic would, would tell you that'd be the case. I mean, look, it's – and again, I'm just going to go back to this. I don't want anybody to think I'm crapping on Jay Fromm because Fromm is an absolute baller. I've been a huge Fromm guy since I saw him three years ago at a camp in Athens. I remember when we offered Bailey Hawkman. I know I've recounted this story a couple of times. I was pissed off that day. You were thinking, hey, we got a, got a quarterback in there. You should be happy. No, because I wanted us to offer Jake Fromm. I saw them both at that same camp, and I thought Fromm was clearly the superior player. I didn't understand what Brian Schott and Mark Rick were looking at. I didn't quite get it. So when we get the new coaching staff in and we decide to go a different route with Fromm, like I was ecstatic, man, because this guy is an absolute badass. He's a winner in the truest sense of the world of the word. I mean, everything in his makeup screams future superstar. And his skills on the field, his ball placement, particularly for a freshman, is just superb. His awareness and knowledge of the system at this stage is highly impressive. His drive, work ethic, all of that, in my mind, make him an almost can't-miss prospect. That's how that's how I see Jake Fromm. But right now, I just if you look at it in totality, I don't know if well let me, let me say this. By virtue of the fact that he did not get any reps of the ones, I cannot make an educated really opinion here and say that I think he should be our guy. Because I can't say that until I see him go against the competition he'll be go, he'll be playing against week in and week out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean It's hard to make that assessment saying that Fromm is better than Eason when they're not playing against the same defense. Exactly. Like if you saw I mean the people he was going against, yeah, they were Gibbs and LeCount, but those guys were still freshmen just as much. And you would see Kirby out there openly coaching LeCount at timeouts or in between plays. Yeah, I just I, – I think Fromm is going to be really good. But I just – it's hard for me to sit here and make any declarative statements that he is better than Eason or he's right there, right behind him when the gap is so wide – in terms of who they were throwing the ball against, and in terms of walk-on corners for the two defense with Fromm, and our starting corners for what I think could be a top ten defense this season with the one defense that Eason was going against, so I think that had a lot to do with it. Uh, I think Fromm's gonna be really good. I just I can't make any declarative statements just off that one practice. You know what I mean? And I and yeah, I, I, I saw them at. at at the first scrimmage, and Fromm did get a little bit of work with the ones there, some of the ones, but he's primarily with the twos. And he looked he looked great then, too. I mean, Fromm's going to be really good. I just, right now, I don't think there's enough information out there to say, yes, he is ahead of Eason. Yes, he should be the guy that should be taking snaps come September, game one, against Appalachian State. Maybe he will be, but I think we need more information right now before we can say that. And I'm, right now, I'm going to trust the coaches who see these guys day in and day out and do this for a living. Uh, they see a lot more than we do. Uh, all right, so, uh, okay, as much as we were all glued to that quarterback duel, and trust me, we were. I mean, Kurt and I were just going back and forth about it and just kind of giddy over that last little bit of duel there, that last two-minute drill, uh, or two-minute offense there to close out the game. But there were other guys out there, and there were other things happening. And let's talk about some of those guys for a minute here that really kind of stood out to us. So, Curtis, outside of the quarterbacks, who did you see as the big standout performers on Saturday? Easily Jonathan Ledbetter. Yeah, he's number one on my list. I mean, you and I were both gushing over him uh, at the game on Saturday. I mean, dude, he—I think he's ready to explode. Like, I think he's going to be a monster this season. 
the versatility he has, you know? I mean, he, where he can I play. I mean, he embarrassed Kinley, Sims, and Wynn all it, on multiple occasions. Yeah. They couldn't handle him. No one. Whether, I mean, he's lined up as defensive end in the five technique there, where you're traditionally going to be more of a run stopper. When you couldn't handle him. Uh, when you put him inside in those nickel dime situations where you want to get more speed, more pass rushing ability on the field, you put him inside there with Justin Young. They couldn't stop him. I mean, he was embarrassing Kenley. Absolutely embarrassing him. I mean, multiple times. I, I just think Ledbetter is a. I mean, and people have to remember he was a. He's a young rising junior. I think he's nineteen still right 19. now. Yeah, still nineteen, and like he's. It looks like he's finally starting to come to his own. He's got a little bit of the off the field stuff behind him now, and he looks like a guy that is ready to be an absolute beast for us. I'm talking like an, an Alabama type defensive lineman for us. And this is the kind of guy that we haven't had in a while, the guy that could be a potential dominant force up front. So I'm very excited by what, what I saw to him. That versatility makes him even more valuable. Uh, I could see I could see him, I, honestly, come September, I think we're going to have a tough time taking him off the field at all. Now, he'll get some blows here and there, but we're definitely a better team with Jonathan Ledbetter on the field, for sure. Who else you got? Um, Two guys. Um, I think I'm going to have to go with me, Cole, and Terry Bowe. Who should I see more between those two? Um, I'd have to say Terry in general because, well, it was him going against the first team defense and he was getting big separation against them. It was just really nice to kind of have, uh, and look, I, I don't like the pat on the back kind of stuff, but, I mean, you and I have been talking about this for a while. you know. And look, we've been hard on Terry throughout his first two years. I, I mean, I'll be the first to say that. He hasn't performed up to my expectations, but... I've also said that I think a large part of that is because he was playing out of position. Yes, he was playing receiver. He was playing outside. This guy is a slot receiver through and through. And he was poised to become that last year, but then McKenzie kind of emerged and kind of took over that position. So it left Terry with like, okay, where do we go from here? But he played almost exclusively in the slot yesterday or Saturday. And he looked good, man. Working in the middle of the field. It just fits him better there because his game is more about quickness. His game is more about change of direction as it is as opposed to just pure speed. And working in the middle of the field, working some of those option routes, those little whip routes that you have, that's Terry's game. That's where he's going to excel. And he did a great job of that on Saturday. And you, I think we saw a glimpse of what Terry can do if he's used right. Don't you agree? Yeah, I do. So hopefully that will translate onto the field this this season. Hopefully we'll, we'll actually use him like that, not just have it be a one-time kind of thing here. At G Day, uh, what about Javon Wims? Yeah, I mean, I kind of, uh, I, I mean, I've come to expect more out of him lately. Well, I, I wanted to, we, I think we, I think he made some very nice catches. I will say that. Well, I mean, the guy, I think, I had like, I think he had less than two hundred yards receiving last year. So, I mean, to me, to see him take a step where he almost had a hundred yards, and again, it's a G Day, it's one scrimmage. You know, keep that in mind here. But he flashed his ability, the ability, his, the ability to get over the top. And to win the ball, win a, a jump ball at the top of the route to take the ball away from the defender, and then when the defender tries to counter that by getting over the top on him, to be able to come back and make a nice catch on the back shoulder. So I really liked what I saw from Javon Williams. I like to see him get a little more consistent separation. That's something he's got to work on there. But I, I think he flashed that playmaking ability that we desperately need on the outside this year. Uh, one more guy that really kind of stood out for me. Uh, I haven't heard too many people talk about him, but I really liked what I saw from Tyler Clark. I mean. Ledbetter really kind of stole the show on the defensive front there, but I thought Tyler Clark had an underrated performance in this scrimmage. He's a guy that was getting some significant – I mean, he was pushing Solomon Kinley in, into the backfield pretty regularly. I mean, I've gone back and watched 
uh, watched the scrimmage two times now on DVR, and I and I'm sure a lot of you guys still have it on DVR. I have it recorded too. I, go go back and pay attention to 52. Pay attention to Tyler Clark and see how he was dominating interior that of that offensive line. He was getting some solid pass rush too. Um, so it's a guy. I mean, look, he's probably not going to be there. Obviously, when Trent Thompson comes back, hopefully, fingers crossed, it looks like it's probably going to happen. But he's going to play a lot like he did last year, and I think he's going to be an important piece of the puzzle for us in that defensive line. So all about depth, and I think he's definitely going to be some quality depth for us there. All right, now as much as I hate to do this, and we all hate to look at the ugly side of things, well, some might actually like to look at the ugly side of things. They kind of get off on that, but it's not so much my thing. But let's go ahead and flip this around a little bit. And again, let's clarify this was only one practice, so I don't want to overreact here and rip anyone to shreds. But on the other side of this, who are the players that were, uh, let's say, underwhelming to you? Guys you have serious concerns with as we head into the summer months. Easily DeAndre Walker. You don't. You're not big on him. What 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 are you seeing in him? Well, you know, it's just everyone talks about how he's going to be the guy this this year. He's he's so great, but you know, I still haven't. He still has never got his body in a situation to become an every down uh every down player. And then he couldn't even get. He could barely. He he was getting some pressure here and there, but he was consistently getting shelled against the number two O line. Yeah, he he did not dominate the number two offensive line like you would think he should, especially with the fact that our starting right tackle, Ben Cleveland, or the guy, or I shouldn't say starting right tackle, our guy who would have been the starter for the number two unit at right tackle was Ben Cleveland, and he didn't play. So you would think that he would just wreak havoc if he's going to be this guy who's going to be a pass rushing specialist for us. And you're right, he had his moments where he did get some solid pressure on Fromm, but it was far from consistent and certainly didn't dominate the number two unit. Uh, and his the weight situation, man. Like I'm just I'm at the point now. The dude's just never gonna add weight. Like he's added some since he got here, but he's not ever gonna get to the point where he's gonna be an every down player. I just don't think he is. Do you? No, not at all. Like, I, I want to believe that, and I want to hold out hope. But based on what I've seen at this point, I, I I just don't think he's gonna do it. He hasn't done it to this point. He's a rising junior now. I just I don't know. I, I'll believe it when I see it in terms of adding weight. I, I think he could be really good, really good because he is an explosive pass rusher. He's got to develop a little bit more uh, in terms of his pass rushing repertoire. And he's got to add weight if he wants to be an every-down type guy to hold up against the runs. Right now, he's a situational guy at best. And even as a situational guy, I, I, he, I don't know how much value he brings. He hasn't done it yet. And maybe he will this year, I hope. But he hasn't done it yet. You're right there. Who else is a little underwhelming to you? Um, <laughs> Can I say the entire on. offensive line? <laughs> Well, yeah, that that's I mean, Isaiah Wynn specifically. I mean, yeah. I'm not trying to be mean, but you know, you talked about how you thought he he could be the guy. Going I was hoping, to the left I was holding out hope. Yeah, you were you know talking him up a little bit, and I I was always hesitant. You know, you're, I give you Saturday credit. Saturday you're, showed me why. Yeah, uh, I I got put in my place a little bit. I thought that he would be a guy that could handle that left tackle position for us this season, and maybe he still can. I I don't want to completely jump off him yet, but what I saw on Saturday was not encouraging. I'll say that. Especially for him to be an upperclassman <laughs> like Kenley. That's his first spring. You know, I, he did get beat a lot, but he, you know, he's oh, still Kenley very was wrong. getting beat in the run. He was getting pushed back in the line of scrimmage, which for his, with his size is unacceptable. Yeah, I agree. And he, I, he was also getting beat in, in pass rushing situations. Again, they were pinning their ears back, so that's tough in that situation. But you're going to face times like that. And I, I was not impressed with what I saw from him at all. But you're right. Wynn was, uh, I think he was the definition of underwhelming. Uh, and he had moments where he would stone some guys, but it was, again, here we go back to the consistent thing. It wasn't consistent. Far too often did he get, and we, we get our starting unit gave up five sacks, I want to say. I think it was something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and there are a lot of other ones that were really close. I mean, they were getting pressure on Eason 
consistently, especially in those uh, two-minute situations at the end of the halves. So, yeah, I I want to believe. I want to believe that he can be that because we need a senior leader there to step up and be a presence at left tackle, but I don't know. But who's the other option? If it's not him, who's it going to be? Demarcus Hayes, did he really impress you all that much? Because he didn't impress me. No, not not. not now, he's still. Much, it's no. still early in his. I mean, well, he's a JUCO guy, but still, he's only been here for what fifteen practices, so he's got time to get better. Compared to Wynn, who's had some meaningful reps at left tackle. True. Well, Wynn's a Wynn's a classic tweener, man. I mean, he's, he's his strength is his footwork, and that's why I was hopeful. His foot speed with him at left tackle, um, but he's also been under. He's always been undersized, so you know he. It's hard to put him at left tackle because he doesn't have great length. He's only about 6'2". He's not completely sawed off, but eh, close enough. And he's it's tough to put him on the interior because he just gets thrown around far too often on the interior. Now, he's bulked up. He has bulked up. But I don't know, man. Like We we need him to be a guy that can man that left tackle position because I don't know who it's going to be otherwise. Is it going to be DeMarcus Hayes? Based on what I saw, again, just one scrimmage. Just one scrimmage, but I, didn't, I wasn't too encouraged there. Maybe one of these young guys is going to come in. Maybe it's... Andrew Thomas, maybe it's Isaiah Wilson. Uh, who knows? But that situation's got to get fixed, man. It's got to. It's got to. What about uh, here's another guy though on the other side of the line, Julian Rochester. I uh, think that could be a fair one too. Like I, like, he wasn't bad Saturday, but again, this is a guy who was a starter for half the season last year, going against the number two offensive line, and didn't make didn't really do anything of note. Certainly didn't really call his name much. And I, and I was looking for him on that two lines. I was, I was like, okay, Julian, I thought maybe Kirby was sending him a message, you know, by putting him on the number two unit there. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe it's just where he is right now. Maybe Clark's just passed him because Julian on that number two unit, he, he did okay. He was fine. But he certainly wasn't dominant and, and wasn't really a force there when you think he would be as a guy who, as a true freshman, started about half the season and is going against a number two unit, going against our backup unit. So, I don't know. I need to see more from Julian. We, we really need him to kind of... And he showed flashes last year. We need him to be more consistent in those flashes. Because it, we we got to have that depth up front on the defensive line, no doubt. All right, so now that we've had a chance to see this 2017 team in action, yes, it's in a controlled environment, but now that we uh, that everyone has gotten to at least put their eyes on this team, let's just quickly run through this, kind of rank each position grouping based on our level of confidence and then moving into the 2017 season. Like this is based on somewhat what we've seen from these units in previous years, a little bit of work come out of camp and also what we saw on Saturday. Uh, so let's start the bottom court real quick here with the unit that you are going into the 2017 season after this GA scrimmage. What unit are you least confident in and most concerned about? Let's take it from there. Offensive line. Yeah, that's exactly why I have the bottom here. Got the offensive line. Who do you have right above them? Um, probably still wide receivers. Really? Okay, so you got wide receivers. I got special teams there. Uh, again, we didn't. Um, see- I, I think that's yeah. You could easily put that there. I wasn't thinking them. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. So I mean, look, in, you didn't see the return game really. You saw him basically catch punts and catch kicks, but I don't really do much outside of that. Uh, Rodrigo, I don't know, man. Like I, I think the jury's still out of him. He had a nice, solid end of this year last year, but. And look, it was just, again, just one scrimmage. Let's not overreact. But he missed an extra point, which he didn't do at all last season. Now, there, Kirby did come back and say that there was a backup snapper in there. So maybe that had something to do with throw the timing off and the laces and where they were positioned. Perhaps. We don't know. But you missed two other field goals. One was what? We missed the 49-yarder, which is understandable. Missed a 40-yarder, though. you got to be able to make those. And lucked up on one more, too. He did luck up on one more. That's right. The punting situation. Big, big. 
missed an extra point. Yeah, I missed the extra point, but she didn't do it all last year. So I, I, I don't know. We got David Marvin coming in as a graduate transfer from Wofford. Hopefully, we'll push him and be a little competition there. Punny situation: Marshall Long still not back from injury. Yeah, Cameron. I, I'm gonna butcher this last name, but Cameron Nizalek, Nizalek, whatever. It's a transfer, graduate transfer from Columbia, as in Ivy League Columbia, who got some nice hang time on the ball, but I think his average was like 38 and a half yards a punt. I think to me he's a better short. Like he didn't, he didn't knock one down inside the ten, right? I think he got one inside the ten. I think that that might be more his forte. Yeah, so I I think it's at least concerning right now. So the offensive line to me is the biggest concern in this team. I think right now special teams until we see it, I think we have the potential to have some some really good guys in the return game with Miko potentially back there. Uh, Terry could possibly do some things returning uh, punts, but the kicking game until I see it, I'm still gonna be very concerned about it this year. All right, so I got offensive line, special teams. What do you have next? Probably DBs, or I mean the defensive backs in general, because we're um, we're so thin at the cornerback position. We're relying on walk-ons for our second team, and you can only expect these uh, incoming freshmen to do so much. Yeah, we have what like three scholarship corners on the roster right now, if you don't include Miko, because Miko was playing. I mean, he's playing offense right now. Yeah, and then we'll get an influx of talent coming in with the guys coming in this summer from the 2017 class. But right now, yeah, I mean, it's concerning because we're going to have to rely on some of those guys to be in the two deep. And you don't know how to re- you don't know how they're going to react as, as true freshmen coming in. Hopefully they'll be ready. We'll see. All right, so DB's there. Um, I got quarterback as my number three. Um, I'm, I, I think we have some great talent there. But we got to see it come together on the field. We're going to see how this plays out. So I, I don't know how it's going to play out. So for that reason, I'm not 1,000% confident in it. We'll just see how it goes from there. All right, what do you got for DBs? Uh, that's where I would put the quarterback. quarterback. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What about for quarterback? Um, linebackers. Inside. Um, outside. Outside linebacker. Yeah, that's exactly what yeah, I. Yeah, I think inside you didn't get a true switch because I'm not trying to be mean, but Reggie Carter did what Reggie Carter does. Um, you will see be- a little bit better out of Roquan. A little bit better. We'll I mean, I'm trying to be. Yeah, to be I know. You're a good dude. You're a good dude. Reggie, I mean, Reggie works on him. Reggie's a good dude, and he's uh, he's going to be a, a really good depth piece for us there. But Roquan's a potential all-SEC all first-teamer when he's back. So, But I'm not – honestly, I'm not concerned at all. I have I have them as the – outside of running back, to me, inside linebacker is the position I'm, I'm most confident outside of running back because I, I think Natrez and Roquan are going to be the best inside linebacking duo in the SEC this year. Yeah, I agree. That's why I'd go more outside. Yeah. Because, I mean, you're expecting – DeAndre Walker to be your guy off the bench, and I didn't see enough for that. Yeah, I just don't. Our depth at outside linebacker right now is concerning. I mean, we got, of course, you got Lorenzo and uh, Davin back, but Chauncey Manack. I mean, he's a guy that I'm high on. You hear a lot of really good things about him. He did some good things on Saturday, but he's still a young guy. I mean, he's gonna be a redshirt freshman, and then you've got DeAndre Walker, who, I mean, uh, you know, you've gone over how you feel about him, and I don't think you're too far off there. So we got some young guys coming in, potentially Jalen Hunter. Uh, Robert Beal, but those are going to be young guys. We're going to have to see how they respond. You can't count on them to come in and be impact players right away. All right, so outside linebacker, who do you got next? Now we're getting to the guys you have a little more confidence in. Um, D-line. Yep, that's who I got too. Yeah, and so, another thing people also have to realize is we did not have Trent out there either. Yeah, we didn't have Trent out there. We were stuffing the run. Now, again, they didn't try to run the ball all that much, but still, I was impressed with what I saw. We controlled the line of scrimmage. Our offensive line isn't great, let's be real. But still, we, we I felt like we control line of scrimmage for the most part up front. Um, so let me just run through my top three here real quick. These are three that I'm most confident in. We'll just flip it around that way real quick. Uh, I got running backs number one. That's That speaks for itself, right? 
Yeah. I mean, that's obvious. Like I, like I said, inside linebackers are the group that I'm next most confident in there, right behind the running backs. And then the defensive line for me comes in at number three. How's it shake yeah. out for you at the top there? Running same, back? Same, same exact yeah. thing. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's uh, finally let's wrap this up today. Give me your biggest, one single biggest takeaway from G-Day and the spring in general. Uh, injuries. What do you, what do you lack mean? Lack of, lack of. Oh, lack of injuries? You're just glad we came out of it injury-free? I mean, for the most part, without a few bumps in there, I mean, it's nice to see that, yeah. Yeah. Based on, now that we've gotten at least a glimpse of this 2017 team, do you feel better or worse about our prospects next season than you did coming into G-Day? I mean, I feel better. I mean, our line really needs to improve, but everything else, I saw improvement across the board, and that's what I wanted to see. Yeah, dude. I mean, I, I'm. I, you must have copied my notes, man. Hacked into my computer. That's exactly what I have here. I, mean, I definitely feel better after G Day than I did coming into it. I, I was pretty confident coming into G Day. I, I, have, I have a fairly confident feeling about this season because, really, I mean, really for me, other than the offensive line play, what I saw on Saturday, it really mirrored what I saw at that first scrimmage a couple of weeks back, and that tells me that, that this wasn't a fluke or a one-time deal. I, I really, I really, really do feel like we are just one adequate offensive line away from competing for the SEC title. And I, am I far off in saying that? I don't think so, especially with, with what the East might have this year. Yeah, like if we win the East, which I think we we should definitely be in serious contention for that. I think we probably, we should win the East. Let's just say that. We, I think we should. I'm not saying we will necessarily, but we should, based on what we have coming back and our rivals in the East and what they're returning. Uh, I, I think we should win the East. And if we win the East... That at least puts you in contention for the SEC title. And I'm talking the entire SEC title. Now, that's a big if, saying we're one adequate offensive line away, because there are still many question marks on the offensive line. We have a long way to go up front there. But if we can get that even just moderately squared away up front on the offensive line, I think we would be a serious contender for not just the East, but the entire SEC. I really believe that. And I I know Bama's a beast over there, and I'm not making – I understand that. But I think we can contend. I really do. I, I think think about this. I, I really think we have a potential top 10 defense on our hands, a stable of beastly running backs. We've got emerging playmakers out wide with several guys who appear poised to either uh, take the next step or kind of jump into the fray there. I mean, Javon Wims looks ready to take that next step. Terry looked really good. Uh, you got guys like J.J. Holloman coming in as a true freshman. Looks like he's ready to contribute for us. I really like what I saw at Tyler Simmons. I know he dropped a couple passes, but he showed that playmaking ability, which he also showed. If you remember back when I had the, when we talked about the – the first scrimmage, uh, that Monday, that Tuesday show after that after that scrimmage, I was all over how good Tyler Simmons looked. He he showed it again. Now you dropped a goal pass. You got to work on that. But we have playmakers out wide. It looked like they can can help us. Guys that we didn't really have last year. And we had two very talented guys at quarterback who are going to push each other. Uh, and whoever to the point, whoever enters game one as a starter, whoever it ends up being, that person I think is going to be ready to lead this team to a big season. For me, it all hinged on the offensive line. I mean, I know it's a big if, but that's the one big remaining concern I have, and that's my takeaways. If we can f- just somewhat find some little fix on this offensive line, it's just to be to get to the point where we're adequate, I think we can have a big season. I do. I know there's still questions at quarterback. That's that's certain. We've got to figure that out completely. We've got to see it on the field. We've got to see the improvement at practice translate on the field. But, hey, let's just fix that offensive line. Big if, I know, but... I think we can be in pretty good shape. I do. I do. All right, guys. That'll wrap it up for us here today. Hope you appreciate the sh- or hope you enjoyed the show. We appreciate you joining us here today. Uh, don't forget, if you got any questions for us for the 
April listener mailbag. Definitely feel free, guys. We would love for you guys to hit us up with any questions you have. We will answer every single one of them on here. And if it means we got to do two shows for listener mailbag, we'll do two shows. That's been the case the past couple months. So if it happens again, it happens again. So hit us up uh, on Twitter at glory underscore UGA. And email us any questions, topics at glory or at gloryugapodcast at gmail.com. Curtis, I'm Tyler. As always, guys, go dogs.